And Lord, as we just take a moment to reflect about your holiness, God. Uh, Lord, so many times we we fail to to understand what it e- even is. Uh, you've told us in your word that that our righteousness is compared to your holiness is like dirty rags. Uh, Lord, that all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. And yet you come into our lives and you redeem us and you rescue us and you turn our lives around and you call us to be holy for you are holy. So Lord, I pray you would help us to have a fresh understanding of of what that means and um, even as we look into your word today, God, we pray you would help us to learn new things. Help us, God, to be open to what you have to say to us through your word. And uh, Lord, I pray for those who are who are part of our congregation watching today, uh, those who will watch, who will listen. And we pray in the name of Jesus, Lord, you would just reveal yourself in greater ways at the beginning of this year of 2021. Lord, we pray for people battling illnesses of various kinds, that you would reach into, into broken bodies and you would do miracles and you would heal through the power of your spirit, God. Uh, we pray that you would mend relationships. We pray that you would provide for people's needs. And um, God, just that you would be front and center in our lives, that we would seek you first. We pray in Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Well, welcome again to all of you who are watching live right now. You're either on YouTube or Facebook or our website. It is great to be with you again. Uh, we'll see if we can get some of these cool features of this new uh, new software we're using going. You'll see a little ticker on the bottom of the screen that'll scroll on your screen, sort of like a news broadcast. Uh, if you're brand new and you're watching right now, you can text the key phrase, reach the one with no spaces to 514-900-0130. You'll see it at the bottom of your screen there. And if you do that, uh, you'll get access to the world's largest Bible stream video library. We'll put you on our on our electronic list, and you'll get all the announcements and everything that's going on in our church right to your phone or to your email. And it would be great to do that, and I'd love to follow up your visit with us and send you a little gift as well, okay? So uh, also, I encourage you to share, 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 hit that share button, whether you're in YouTube or Facebook. And uh, it'd be great to get the word out. And again, this is a much more personal format that we're using. So hopefully uh, we'll see some more interaction and you'll get more out of of, uh, these streams by participating. Okay, Uh, just a couple of announcements for you. Uh, This, of course, is our online church stream. You're going to see a picture there. If we can get that PowerPoint going, you'll see a picture of, of our band on the stage Uh, in the movie theater and that's where we normally meet and of course right now due to the present lockdown we will not be able to meet there so we will continue to stream online at 10 15 in the morning on Sundays and then it stays on our Facebook and YouTube channels and also we have audio on Podbean and Apple Podcasts if you want to subscribe you get notifications uh, right away Keep praying for our missionaries, Don and Marie Jose. Man, they are doing well, and like everybody else, they continue to wait uh, so that they can travel with ease and hold new thrust to their ministry, doing leadership training all around the world so they continue to produce that content and get ready 
uh, sort of for deployment, okay? And also for the Charbonneaux who are in Port-au-Prince, Haiti. And uh, now with the technology, you can watch their services online at um, uh, Haiti Ministries, I think it is, is where you will find their church on Facebook. Uh, Thank you for your faithfulness in giving. You'll see a slide on the screen there as to how you can give on our website, that is through PayPal or even e-transfer, and that's the way to do it. You can also put something in the mail. Our mailing address is on our website. So God bless you as you are faithful and you learn that discipline of being generous, all right? So we're starting a new series today in the month of January called When You Pray. When you pray, and this comes out of something that Jesus said uh, a few times in the most famous prayer in the world, and the most known prayer in the world. And uh, I want to take you to the context here that we'll be looking at, and this is from Matthew 6 today. Uh, If there's one goal that I have for you for this series, it would be that you pray. You say, well, I, I do pray. Well, that's good, because Jesus actually assumes that you do pray, but I wonder if it's true that we actually do pray, and I wonder if it's true that we actually pray daily and pray consistently. I wonder if that's true, because I think for many people who go to church or who attend church or whatever term you want to use, prayer is there, but I don't know that it's there as much as it should be. And I think that the consistency level has to has to go up. I think there's a lot of frustrated Christians, and they're wondering, why isn't God answering my prayers with a yes? And yet, the time, the amount of time that's spent in prayer is relatively low. Uh, maybe you're praying for your meals. Maybe you say a little bedtime prayer or a little morning prayer. Uh, but do you pray every day? Is your prayer life growing? Is your prayer life consistent? And by the end of this series, my prayer is that you pray. My prayer is that the assumption that Jesus has about prayer is actually true in our lives. So Matthew chapter 6, just taking you to the context here of our message today. And in the coming weeks, what we're going to do is we're going to look at some prayers that are prayed in the Bible's book of Acts in the New Testament. And it's a, it's a really great book, the book of Acts, because it's kind of a snapshot live in the past, I guess, of how the early church behaved. And you can see how they behaved in different situations. Last year, we did a whole series on uh, the book of Acts. So uh, we're going to look at some prayers from the book of Acts and learn from them. But here we're going to learn today from something Jesus said. And this term, when you pray, comes from what Jesus said. Matthew chapter 6 in the Bible's New Testament. Be careful. Uh, sorry, uh, verse uh, verse 5 of Matthew chapter 6, okay? Um, I think I put verse 1 on your screen, but in any case, we'll do verse 5. Well, you know what? We'll start at verse 1. Let's start at verse 1. Be careful not to let your acts of righteousness before men, not to do your acts of righteousness before men, to be seen by them. If you do, you will have no reward from your Father. Note that term, your Father, in heaven. So when you give to the needy, do not announce it with trumpets, as the hypocrites, the word for hypocrites there is like actors, 
So as the actors do in the synagogues and on the streets to be honored by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you give to the needy, do not let your left hand know what the right hand is doing, so that your giving may be done in secret. Then your father, note that term, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, assumption, you pray. It's not, in other words, Jesus is talking about something that he thought that the people were doing. I'm not so sure that it's true today. And when you pray, do not be like the hypocrites, the actors, for they love to pray standing in the synagogues and on street corners to be seen by men. I tell you the truth, they have received their reward in full. But when you pray, go into your room, close the door and pray to your father. There's that term again, who is unseen. And then your father, there's that term again, who sees what is done in secret will reward you. And when you pray, assumption, you do pray. And when you pray, do not keep on babbling like pagans. This word for babbling is actually an invention. Jesus kind of invented a word there. He's sort of saying in the Greek language, blah, 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 blah. Do not keep on blah, 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 blah. Babylogia is the Greek word like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. Do not be like them for your father. There it is again. Knows what you need before you ask him. This then is how you should pray. Our Father, there it is again, in heaven, hallowed be your name, your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us today our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we also have forgiven our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. And some ancient manuscripts do have the, for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. For if you forgive men, verse 14, when they sin against you, your heavenly father will also forgive you. But if you do not forgive men their sins, your father will not forgive your sins. I want to answer the question today in part one. What do I pray about? Because that's often what people say when they think about praying every day, praying consistently and praying every day. They say, well, but what do I pray about? I mean, what do I say? Like, is it, do I say the same thing every day? Do I pray the same prayer every day? Why don't I just record it into a, into a recorder and just press play every day? And I could just pray and I'd be sleeping and just press play and go back to sleep. And it would be the same thing, wouldn't it? Uh, I've heard of people who have done that before. Uh, so what do I pray about? And in this prayer, this is the most known prayer in the world. There's so many people who could quote for you the Lord's Prayer. And in the Lord's Prayer, the answer to the question, what do I pray about, is right there just in a few short verses. There is so much information about what to pray about. and It is so relevant for today. 
in the Lord's Prayer. It's amazing. No wonder this prayer is so well known around the world. But I think very few people are getting something out of this prayer. It just becomes so, so robotic. But there's so much in here and so much to pray about just using the Lord's Prayer when you understand what Jesus is teaching the people here just from these few short verses in Matthew 6. You'll also find it in the Gospel of Luke. I think it's Luke chapter 11, verses 2 to 4, just saying that by memory. You can look that up on your own. What do I pray about? That is the question. So here we go, just a few short things. And remember, just I encourage you to share this feed because there's going to be people who they know the Lord's Prayer and they, they haven't really grappled with it the way we're going to do it this morning. So I'm going to go through this relatively quickly, the whole thing. In the past, I've done a whole series on the Lord's Prayer. I think it was a couple of years ago. But I'm just going to go through it. As a teaching tool, what do I pray about? Okay, number one, who God is, who we are, and where he is. Okay, you'll see a slide on the screen there. Who God is, who we are, and where he is. Remember in the context how many times Jesus says, your father, your father, your father, your father. And then he starts the prayer, our father who is in heaven, hallowed be your name our father in a prayer was somewhat revolutionary and different than the way that they would have understand understood prayer in that time in that context for sure in the old testament you do see some paternal characteristics of god mentioned uh, as a father, you see images like that. You even see images in the Old Testament of God as a mother. But you do not see instances in the Old Testament where people pray, our father. They, they call out to God. They call out to the Lord. But to use this term, our father, in prayer, and this is a community kind of model prayer that Jesus is doing here. Our Father. He doesn't say my Father. He says our Father. So it's it's community. Uh, when you pray in private, you could obviously say my Father. But the emphasis is on the fact that God, you relate to God as your Father. This is highly personal. This speaks of a relationship that you have with God. It's not... Um, you come to God and you don't really connect with him. The two of you are very distant. No, there's a relationship that has been formed ultimately because of the blood of Jesus on the cross. Our Father. When you start looking at God that way, it makes it a whole lot more personal. So here he's teaching the people to pray that way. And that would have been revolutionary. Who we are, well, we are his children. If we come to him as our father, we are his children. You ever prayed about that? God, I thank you that I'm your child. God, I thank you that I can call out to you as my father. God, this is how my day was, as if you were speaking to a person in a relationship, you are his child. It doesn't mean you're him. You don't become Jesus when you become a Christian, but you become a child of God 
because you were born again. Who God is, who we are, and where he is. While God is personal, God is also powerful. So he is infinitely powerful, and he is in heaven. Uh, scholars and theologians talk about the imminency and the transcendency of God. God, you are my father. God, I am your child. And yet, God, you are the creator of all things. Jesus, you are the sustainer. You hold all things together. You created this whole cosmos, and yet you are my father. You see? And have you ever prayed like that? Have you ever appreciated who God is, understanding who you are? You're like you're like a tiny little blip on the radar of life. You're like a mist that comes and goes, James says in, in the, the book of James. And yet God calls you his child. I mean, God who is infinitely big looks at you as his child. You ever prayed about that? You ever said, oh God, I'm so thankful that I can call upon you and yet you are so, so great. You are in heaven and yet you reach to me and yet you came to save me and yet you have called me and adopted me as your child into your family. Have you ever prayed about that? You ever spent a few minutes just thanking God and contemplating that and thinking about that? Well, that's just the first verse of the prayer. Who God is, who we are, and where he is. Number two, have you ever prayed about the clash of kingdoms and his coming in full? It's in verse 10. Your kingdom come. Okay, just stop there for a moment. When we pray that, your kingdom come, it implies a whole bunch of things. It means God has a kingdom, and it means that his kingdom has not yet come, or at least not yet come fully. Otherwise, we wouldn't be praying for it to come. So what that means is there is a clash of kingdoms that we see at work on planet Earth today. So in other words, we want God's kingdom to come here. It's not here yet. The way that things are, uh, the, 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 the scope of your relationships, uh, your influence, the way that you do things, this is all kind of like a, a kingdom. It's not a word that we use today too, too often, but this is what it means. And when everybody has a kingdom, you have a kingdom who are watching and listening to this. Everybody has a kingdom. How do you run your kingdom? And collectively as a world, how do we run our kingdom? Well, apparently not very well. Our kingdoms are all broken and our kingdoms are all fallen. Uh, look at the example in, in the U.S., for example, what happened this week and the horrific incident that happened as the Capitol building was breached uh, by protesters and five people lost their lives. That's, that's a war of kingdoms of men. And when Jesus is saying to pray here, your kingdom come. So there is a clash between the coming of the kingdom of God and the kingdom of this world. So we're praying, God, we want your kingdom to come. 
Your kingdom is different than our kingdom, God. This world and the way that this world is, is not the way that you ultimately want this world, God. Your kingdom is so different than our kingdom. And Jesus taught that as well throughout the Gospels, even when he was on trial. He talked about his kingdom and how different his kingdom was than our kingdom. Now, some would say, well, but when Jesus came, the kingdom of God came. The kingdom of God is, is here. Well, yes, but in part, uh, not in full. Otherwise, Jesus wouldn't have asked us to pray for it to come. So we live in this time where the kingdom of God is partially here, but not fully here. When is it fully going to be here? When is the kingdom of God going to be here? Well, when Jesus returns and the second coming of Jesus is going to inaugurate a whole series of events that transforms this entire world. There'll be no more sin. There'll be no more suffering. There'll be no more evil. There'll be no more death. There'll be no more tears when the kingdom of God fully comes. Father, your kingdom come. And he continues the thought, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Now, what this does not mean is, Lord, let the conditions of earth be the same as the conditions of heaven. And some people, they, they reckon this verse to mean, well, you know, in heaven, there, there is no suffering, there is no sickness, there is no evil, so we pray for that here. That's not what's being taught here. What's being taught here is your will be done on earth as your will is done in heaven. Question, is God's will done in heaven? Well, I think, I think he's obviously teaching it is. It is the standard. When you talk about God's will being done in heaven, it's done. He has no objections to his will in heaven. It's not like he gets into an argument with the archangel Gabriel or Michael and says, hey, Gabriel, Michael, like you're really stubborn. This is what I want done up here. So get it done. Don't get into an argument with me. Don't push back with me. Uh, the, the, the most common view of the origin of Satan is that he was an angelic being that tried to object to the will of God and tried to take the place of God. And what happened to him? He was banished from God's presence. So in heaven, God's will is done. There is no one to thwart his will. There is no objection to his will in heaven. There is no sin in heaven that stops the will of God. Is that true here? Well, there's so much that attempts to thwart the will of God here. I mean, the enemy himself attempts to block and to thwart the will of God. We attempt to thwart and to block the will of God. We are getting in the way oftentimes of the will of God. Look at the Apostle Paul, who before his conversion, his transformation was, was right up against the will of God, objected to the will of God, tried to destroy the church, had Christians murdered, persecuted, thrown in prison. That is against the will of God. And yet God got a hold of his life, transformed his life, and he became aligned to the will of God. This prayer, God, let your will be done on earth. Let there be no 
blockage to your will. Let no one thwart your will. Let me not get in the way of your will. Let you want things, God, to be done on this earth. This earth is not the way that you want it to be. When we look at it and we see the pain and the suffering, when we see now a glaring example of a pandemic moving into a year now, uh, it'll be well over a year before this this thing is done. Uh, we see a pandemic. This is not the will of God. This is is uh, a fallen world at work. We want the will of God to be done on this earth without blockage, without it being thwarted, without something getting in the way of it. That's what we're saying. We're saying, God, you want something done here. Let it be done. Let nothing be in the way of what you want to get done here. You have a plan and a purpose for this earth. You have a plan and a purpose for me. Let me not get in the way of your will for my life. Your will be done. Even Jesus, when he was facing the cross in his, in his humanity, wondered about a different way. And in the end, he would not block the will of the Father, but said in his human nature, and again, with Jesus, you have a human nature and you have a divine nature. In his human nature, he says, not my will, but yours be done. Don't let me in my human nature get in the way of what you want to do. Remember, when Jesus often prays, he prays and you see him expressing that human nature. Then at times you see him praying and there's the, his nature as deity. You have one person, two natures in Jesus. That's a separate message. You get that for free today. We want God's will to be done without blockage. That's what we're saying. That's what we should be praying about. And there's so many examples where we see attempts to block what God wants to be done. And sometimes, again, the greatest example is us. What do I pray about? Another part of this prayer. Well, we pray for God's provision. Verse 11, give us today our daily Maserati. No, give us today our daily lottery jackpot. No, give us today our daily bread. Give us the basics, God. Provide for us. We need you. We need your provision. You say, well, I don't need God to provide for me. I go out and I work. I provide for myself. I don't, I don't need God to do that for me. Well, when you pray this prayer, you are acknowledging that though you have the strength and the energy and the will to go out and work for your living, you're acknowledging that ultimately it's God that's giving it to you. You're acknowledging that you are a steward of what God has given to you. And you're not being selfish and proud and saying it's because of me that I have all this. No, it's ultimately because of God. God, give us today our daily bread. God, give me what I need today. These are the things that I need today, Father, to get me through today. Notice he doesn't say give us today our bread for a year. Give us today our daily bread. Implication you're going to pray every day about what you need. You're going to come to God every day and say, God, this is what I need. God, this is what my family needs. God, this is what I need at the workplace today. This is what I need in my school today. This is what I need in what I'm walking into today. These are the things that I need. Not necessarily the things that you 
want, uh, but the things that you need to get you through today. One day at a time, one prayer at a time. God, I pray for your provision in my life. I thank you for your provision in my life. God, I need to get through that doctor's appointment tomorrow. I need to get through that chemo tomorrow. I need to get through that blood test tomorrow. God, give me strength to make it through. I need to have that appointment. I need to have that discussion. God, give me what I need to make it through today and give me this daily bread that I need, the sustenance that I need to make it through today. You ever prayed it like that? Uh, Another thing you can pray about, and this is a big one from verse 12, forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors or forgive us uh, the, uh, forgive us our sins as we forgive those who have sinned against us. It could be monetary, but it can also be personal. What are you praying about there? You're praying about your relationships. You're praying about your relationships with other people, and you're praying about your relationship with God. And you see a frightful thing in this verse, and it's also in verses 14 and 15, that your relationships with people And the extent that you offer forgiveness to other people has a correlation with how God forgives you. If you do not forgive others, Jesus warns graphically, if you do not forgive others when they sin against you, your father will not forgive your sins. There is a direct correlation here, and I've taught on this before, between the way that we treat people and the way that God, in turn, will treat us. So do you pray about those relationships that you're having with people? When you're having a conflict with somebody at the workplace, do you pray about it? And do you say, God, help me to forgive this person. God, help me in the way that I behave with this person to offer forgiveness, to live a life of forgiveness toward this person who hurt me at the workplace, who worked me, who hurt me in the, in the school environment, whatever it is. Um, God, I pray about my relationships with my family. I pray about my relationships with my spouse, with my children, with my uh, parents, whatever it is. And God, help me in the way that I live out those relationships. And forgive me, God, for my sin against you. I mean, we started the prayer with holy is your name. Hallowed be your name. That's what it means. God is holy. We are not holy. So forgiveness should be a daily thing where we are seeking the face of God and asking for his forgiveness for our sin. Yes, you still sin as a Christian. Of course you sin. You should sin a little less than you did before you were a Christian. You should see a change in your sort of sin graph uh, as it marches through time. It should go this way and not this way. There should be a marked difference in your life for sure, but your sanctification is going to take the rest of your life. In fact, the more you understand God and the more you understand God's holiness, the more keenly aware you should be of your own shortcomings and your own transgressions and your own sins. Forgive us our sins. God, forgive me for my sin. I was selfish in this moment. 
I was rude in this moment. I was unkind in this moment, God. I was vengeful in this moment, God. I was proud in this moment. I was lustful in this moment. I was a thief in this moment. Forgive me, and I forgive that person who did such and such to me. Wow. I mean, you could spend so much time just praying about relationships today. In this pandemic, relationships are stressed like crazy. Domestic violence is on the rise. People are uh, have anxiety issues with a capital A. Psychological services and, and psychologists, psychiatrists, counselors are bombarded with people in need. Even young people are struggling right now mentally and struggling in relationships because this pandemic has cut people off from one another in one way, but in another way, it squeezed people together people in households are up against each other's backs all the time and they're at each other's throats sometimes why because of relationships have you been praying about your relationships and forgiving others and asking God to forgive you wow that is a lot to pray about, isn't it? I mean, you could probably pray every day about that, couldn't you? I mean, you could probably pray every day about all of these things, couldn't you? So when it when it comes to what do I pray about, wow, there's so much information here. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Oh, there's so many things in here. This is our last slide. Pray for his protection from evil. Much has been said and debated and argued about the first half of this verse, lead us not into temptation. How can God lead us to temptation? Doesn't the Bible say that God doesn't tempt us to sin? So how can God lead us into temptation? Why are we praying for something that God already does for us anyway? It doesn't make any sense. God, it doesn't say lead us not, uh, it doesn't say don't tempt us. God never tempts us. It says lead us not into temptation. You are definitely going to be tempted as a Christian. Uh, Paul says to the Corinthians, no temptation has seized you except what is common to man. But uh, God will always give you a way of escape. Uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 10, uh, verse 13, no temptation. In other words, you're tempted. Every temptation is common. Everyone faces, in general, the same thing. You're not any more special than anyone else, but God will give you a way of escape so that you can stand up under that temptation. 1 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 13. When tempted, you will be tempted. But you're saying, God, lead me not into temptation. Jesus was led into the wilderness where he was tempted. Um, we're, we're praying, God, lead me not into temptation, but deliver me from evil. Implication, evil exists. There is an evil that is real. And in the Bible, we see this all over the place. There is an enemy to be, to be uh, observed and uh, recognized for who he is. And he is going to try and tempt us, and he is going to try to lie to us. And we see the manifestation of evil all over this world. God, protect us from that. Lead me not into that temptation, but deliver me 
from evil. Provide that way of escape, as Paul puts it, so that I may stand up under it. Lead me not into that temptation. Deliver me from evil or from the evil one. Protect me. I'm going out into a world, and maybe today there's someone who wants to do something wrong, something evil that I'm going to run into today. I don't know, but God, protect me from evil. It acknowledges that evil is real and asks that God would protect us. It acknowledges that temptation is real. And in this prayer, we're asking God to provide a way of escape for us that we would be able to stand up under it. That is a lot to pray about. (laughs) And I hope that that answers Uh, The question for you, well, if I am supposed to pray every day, wow, what do I pray about? So I'm just going to close this service by praying and praying for each one of you. And uh, thank you so much for joining in with us today. And uh, I'm going to take a look at all those comments that have been rolling in. And uh, again, I encourage you to share this feed with others. And, uh, but let me pray with you as we finish today. Father, we do thank you for your word that has been preserved for us. And we thank you for these words of Jesus uh, made and, and stated by him 2,000 years ago. Wow, are they ever relevant today. Uh, Father, we ask that you would help us to grow in our own personal time with you. I pray for those who prayer is a very, very new thing for them. Uh, They feel awkward praying. feels like no one's listening. Um, God, I pray for them that they would begin to just start growing in consistency and, and starting with little, little baby steps and moving to a place of a satisfying uh, and growing life of prayer. God, I pray for those of us, and, and maybe we are praying every day, but we feel like it's turned into a robotic exercise. We feel like God is just saying no all the time, and there's just nothing that's happening in our lives. It's just so dry. I pray, God, that the, the, the power of the Spirit of God would just fill lives and would refresh lives and the spirit would would move through people like living water oh god and and people would be rejuvenated and revived in their own prayer lives in the name of jesus i pray for people to begin to see god answering you answering lord yes to their prayers we would see your provision we would see your protection we would see your forgiveness in our lives we would see holiness god in our lives we would begin to take on the character of christ as we continue to pray lord we love you and we worship you today our father in jesus name amen Amen. Before we close the broadcast today, I would challenge you, and I'll do that each uh, week of this series, to take one day this week where you will fast and pray. Say, what's fasting? Well, 
longer story there, but basically it means you don't eat for a prolonged period of time, whatever that is. If you've never fasted before, I would encourage you to fast one meal. And while you're fasting that meal, you take some time to pray. It doesn't have to be a long time, it can be a short time, but you stop eating that meal for whatever, you know, you skip lunch or you skip supper or whatever, and you take some time to pray as sort of a replacement to that. And you see what happens. Those of you who you're accustomed to fasting, take a full day this week. Fast and pray and seek God's face. Pray through this Lord's Prayer as you fast. Think about what you've learned today and apply it to your life because there's so much to pray about. God bless you, everyone. We will see you next week, the 17th as we look at part two of our series, When You Pray. God bless you, everyone.